villain will be broken. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. And Dan Pierce. Welcome, Dan. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm still recovering from your Rugrats pick on the best uh, top five <laughs> Bruce Willis movies. So <laughs> I, I, this whole discussion about Morbius will be couched through that lens or viewed through that lens. So I will be curious to find out what you have to say about Jared Leto in Morbius, which is the topic of today's discussion. Full disclosure, I have not watched it yet. I'm actually going to be going to the movie this evening after we record this episode. So I'll be asking questions without um, having seen it. This should be interesting. So quick take, Mel, what did you think just as a first impression? First impression was, oi, that was kind of my first thing was, this one needed help. There were quite a few plot issues. There were things that didn't quite make sense. There were unnecessary characters. And for a film that was delayed multiple times, we had time to fix it. So I'm not sure why they didn't fix it. But yeah, we're going to delve into it more. But hmm, this one was uh, definitely interesting. Dan, quick take. I thought it was very average. It reminded me of like a early 2000s uh, superhero film that you really don't expect a lot out of and you end up not getting a ton out of. Uh, that's sort of where we are at. And for that to fit within the Venomverse, which is like the first two movies are. Wait, wait, on... wait, wait, wait. The Venomverse. I think this is the Spider-Verse. First of all, it's the Spider-Verse, my friend. <laughs> it is not the Venomverse. We are not going to allow you to rewrite history and make this an alternate universe. It is the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man hadn't showed up yet. So uh, Venom showed up in Spider-Man, as Dan wanted to point out in one of the other movies. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Luke. You haven't seen this movie. No, I understand. I understand that. I understand that. But you said Venomverse. Everybody I in the world. Everybody in the world knows that Sony Sony's universe is considered Sony an Corinthos right, universe. Right. You know. Let is, me tell you, is considered an alternate Spider-Man universe. This is not the alternate Venom universe. This is an alternate Spider-Man universe. Here, it is here's not the Venom. We are not going to get sidetracked on mislabeling things just so that you can give a big old smooch to Venom again. Keep going. Here's the thing, though, Luke. The idea that this is, in fact, the Venomverse is stamped as certified in the credits in both post-credit scenes. This is stamped. The Venomverse. You know what? This is also stamped on Rotten Tomatoes, 16%. I'm not disputing right. that. I'm just saying this movie is very average. This is like a like an early 2000s superhero film that doesn't try to do too much. And So what you're saying is this is the Catwoman of Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying 
people are looking for it to do amazing, incredible things, and it doesn't do that because nope. it's not trying to do that. Well, before we dive into it all, I love a vampire movie. I love vampire television. I So for me, like Dracula, Dracula Untold, which was supposed to be part of um, Universal's monster universe um, that never came about, I thoroughly enjoyed that film. Um, critics weren't as kind to it, but... And audiences didn't have a great rating of it as well. But I love that film because I thought it was a great depiction of Dracula. So I'm sort of going into this film tonight after the podcast is over through the minds of I've heard it's so bad. I need to see it just so I can decide for myself if it's that bad. Let's talk a little bit about the lead characters. We've got Jared Leto as Morbius, Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor from Doctor Who as Milo, Adria Arana, I apologize if I mispronounced the name, as Martine Bancroft. Jared Harris is in it. Tyrese is in it. And Michael Keaton is in it. Uh, Mel, what'd you think of the casting? Um, so I'm just going to say right now, Michael Keaton is only in the post credit scene for about two minutes. So I don't even think we could call him a main character at this point. Uh, Jared Leto as the lead. I mean, he definitely served his purpose as the lead. Um, I didn't feel he was overacting as he did in the past as Joker. He was just kind of playing normal, I guess. Um, in the film, his character, Dr. Michael Morbius, is very intelligent. He wants to help people, but, you know, he has a little vampire problem that shows up a little later on because he conducts this experiment on himself that goes wrong. Um, I did enjoy uh, a ton the character uh, Milo played by Matt Smith, he was fantastic. If anybody's the MVP of this film, it is him. Um, he kind of plays the villain here, uh, the second vampire. So it's it's actually, um, his part was more of the saving grace of the film for me. I didn't mind um, Martine, who is basically uh, Morbius's uh, second in command, essentially, Adria uh, Arona, Arona, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say it. Uh, she wasn't bad either. We completely did not need Tyrese and the other policemen in this film at all. So casting-wise, it was okay. I wouldn't necessarily call it a really strong cast that gelled together. I feel like there were definitely bright spots, and then there were people we just didn't need. Dan, what did you think of the cast? Both Matt Smith and Adriana Lona uh, as Milo slash Lucian and Martine uh, I completely agree with Mel on this. They were really the MVPs of this film, uh, both as the villain and the second-in-command slash love interest uh, for Dr. Martine. Uh, they were both fantastic. As much as I enjoy Tyrese Gibson in films, he really was not necessary in this movie. I, I Don't get me wrong very much appreciate just seeing him in films uh but yes 100 not necessary same thing with al magical as his partner not necessary i would have much rather seen more devotion to in the comics the michael morbius love interest that is also peter parker's love interest in felicia hardy who is also black cat like just link those two together and we'd be all set but instead, we had to do this solo stuff, and I'm like, all right, fine, 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 fine. Um, just because 
I, I don't know. I feel like they wanted to do a Black Hat solo film later down the line. And instead of making a good Morbius film out of, you know, Michael Morbius's story and stuff like that, they wanted to do two separate movies and then got cut down on one of these movies. That's I don't your know. speculation. That is my speculation. Okay. I don't know if that's correct. I will say the, I, the fact that one scene that features Michael Keaton that is in the trailer, but is not actually in the movie or two of the post credit scenes. It, it's, it's ridiculous. It yep. is very disappointing. So Dan, <laughs> um, I believe on a podcast when we talked about venom, not even you could defend the CGI of the first venom movie because there were some sketchy things that uh, sketchy CGI in there. Um, it did improve in the second one. How do you think this played out in comparison to the Venom movies or in comparison to the Spider-Man movies? We took another step back uh, from uh, Let There Be Carnage. I'll, I'll just say that uh, just flat out, uh, mostly due to the fact that they relied on the sonar aspect and when you're relying on the sonar aspect, you are CGIing people that are mostly real people, but like some makeup involved and CGI faces and stuff like that. It just it doesn't work in the way that they wanted it to between the fight scenes between Milo slash Lucian and Michael Morbius. It it just didn't. I wish it did also within Lucian scenes with civilians because he had a lot of great stuff where he was just killing people on his own for funsies. And that was a super fun uh, plot line where he was just going outside being like, hey, I have been uh, medically unable for the majority of my life. I'm going to go out to clubs. I'm going to go out dancing. Oh, someone gave me a hard time. I'm going to lure them outside. I kill them. Like it was super fun when they were doing that stuff. But the minute they tried to do fight scenes between him and Michael Morbius, I was out. Mel, you went to film school. What did you think of the cinematography? Mm, it needed help. For me, it was a lot of the same effects over and over. There wasn't a lot of originality in it. It wasn't anything we haven't seen before. Um, I I know the film is supposed to be dark. I get that. That is the theme of this movie. But I, it could have been done better. Like, we've seen it done better. So, eh. And I, I feel like they tried to do foreshadowing in their cinematography and sometimes they were successful and sometimes they were not. So is it anything, you know, to write home about? No. Plot. Let's talk a little bit about the plot. Um, I guess, can each of you give me a quick high point? Because from my impression, just by that sigh that Mel just made, I think there's going to be a lot of discussion on low points. Uh, Dan, is there a high point that you can think of on the plot? I really liked when Lucian was just killing people for funsies. That's not plot. That's killing. I understand that. However, uh, when Morbius figures out that Lucian did the experiment to himself and is another vampire, 
uh, he just kind of goes out and he's like clubbing and doing tequila shots and like, oh man, some dudes are giving him a hard time and then he kills them outside. Like that part was fun. And then the post credit scenes I enjoyed. I le- I legitimately did enjoy the idea of those post credit scenes that we'll, we will get to later. Mel, uh, was there any good plot that stood out for you? Uh, well, kind of to speak to what Dan was talking about, I did like the progression of his friend Milo because you see him at his lowest, you see him struggling, and then you see more of his development. And the way they weave that into the plot was, you know, uh, Morbius himself is just like, I want to do the right thing. I want to help my friend, but I also have to maintain my standards as a doctor to help people. And this ultimately will not help him. So I do like the way they pose that juxtaposition with Morbius and with his friend, because you, it gave you a chance to see both sides. If we're talking plot wise. Um, I also didn't necessarily mind the plot of um, Morbius and his second in command, Martine of, you know, they did a really great job establishing this relationship between them. They are close. They take it, you know, we're going to try and take this to another level but things happen, so on and so forth. But the ending of that plot was not good. It was bad. It's just not it good. was a wreck. It's just bad. Okay. Let's talk so- about this now. Let's Go talk about it. this. Oh my gosh. When she was dying and bit his lip. Okay. So here's why I have questions about this. Okay. When, when at some point she had to have gotten the last injection of the serum that Morbius had for people, you know, who have seen it, who haven't seen it. He basically created three vials of this serum of he's going to cure himself of the blood disease that he has. So he injected one into himself and made him a vampire. His friend took the other one who had another blood disease. And there was a last one left that we don't know about. Well, at, at some point, I guess, I don't know. The Martine must have, she must have injected herself. Either Milo injected her, Morbius injected her. I don't know because all I know is that technically she dies, but then she wakes up and it doesn't make any damn sense. Cause here, I don't know how we got there. Here, here's the thing, Mel. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think she bites his lip so he could drink her blood and become a traditional vampire. Yes. I like I don't think that there was any part like I don't think she used the third serum. I think she's just a vampire. I just but it doesn't make sense because they've been draining everyone else's blood and nobody else has been waking up and becoming vampires, but she did. Like that's exactly it. She make didn't, it make sense. She didn't officially die. I think that's like what they're trying to say is like she saved herself and then he saved her. I don't know. It's, it's a mess. It's it, a hot mess. It doesn't make any damn sense. I don't understand how this is going to be. And that was a major you know, plot line of the film. 100%. I will say though. Uh, just like putting on my mo hat for a hot second. This is something in the comics. Oh, okay. and just to clarify, right. is it the comics or the cartoon? Both. Okay. Yes, this is in both. Where Morbius, even though he's not a traditional vampire, can create traditional vampires. 
Okay. Well, that provides so when she bit his, when she bit his lip, did she mm-hmm. consume his blood? Yes. So they were kissing because if she bit his lip and drew his blood and it was in her system prior to her death, it, it's one of those things where she was dying and then he kissed her as like as like a last kiss. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. And she bit his lip. But as long as she like in in many vampire mythologies, if the person actually consumes even a drop of vampire blood before right. they die, if she, so, if she did that in biting the lip and then conked, then that's how she woke up. Well, yes, but that was not established in uh, this film. Got it. That's the problem because it's that, that scene is way at the end. So yes. prior to this, Morbius and Milo have both been fighting half the the city at this point, and no one has woken up. So no I. One. I think that that's where the difference is. Just because you're bit by a vampire doesn't turn you. It's the consumption of the vampire's blood. Most of them have been Milo, though, to be completely fair. Uh, So Morbius, uh, as established with his, like, oh, I won the Nobel Peace Prize, but I denied it when I was being accepted for it. He created uh, alternate blood, like fake blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let me ask a question real quick, just so that I can understand this for the purpose of the discussion. Do Michael and Milo have the same abilities? Are they basically two sides of the same coin or different sides of the same coin? Yes. Yes. Okay, so in this case, they're setting it up so that he has a, uh, that Michael has a competitor who is equally as powerful. Okay. Yes. Got Mm -hmm. it. So what other plot holes did you guys find in the film not including the after credits mel uh for me i was not a giant fan of the way uh michael morbus becomes a vampire because we see that you know he created the serum that is supposed to cure his blood disorder and he's like oh i have to do this over international water so they're in this giant ship and he does the test and he injects himself and you see him kind of sick and then nothing happens and then he's gone and all of a sudden he's a vampire. And there was, if you're going into this film not knowing anything about it, you wouldn't you wouldn't know what was going on. You would have no clue. I mean, we know because we are superhero comic book fans, but the average person would be like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why he turned into a vampire. There was nothing even hinting at that for anyone to get to that point. Of, okay, well, this could happen. This couldn't happen. I I didn't like the way that went down. I also felt like the entire plot involving the police was unnecessary. If you take them out of this film, you miss nothing. They contributed nothing to the plot. They contributed nothing to future plots. It, we didn't need them. Everything that they discovered when they figured out that it was Milo... Uh, who was uh, the second vampire, and they had to mention that, oh, you know, we haven't seen anything this weird since that thing in San Francisco. Those could have been throwaway lines from any member of the crew, of the cast, of anybody. Like, we we just didn't need them. Dan, what was another plot hole that you saw? My biggest plot hole was Dr. Nicholas. I'm sorry, but this man did not age from the like childhood scenes that they had in Greece to the New York scenes where Jared Leto and Matt Smith are thirties. Like they are 30 somethings. And this man who, I mean, I, 
I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, but most importantly, he was a villain in Mr. Deeds. Uh, Wasn't he also a villain in the Orlando Bloom um, TV show on Amazon? I think so, maybe? Or am I getting that mixed up? Possibly. I I only know him as, like, he was, like, the like the tabloid host guy from Mr. Deeds that was like pressuring Winona Ryder's character. Oh yeah. He was in Carnival Row. Yes. Okay. He was in Carnival Row. Um, But needless to say for me, his lack of aging was a problem. You have a problem with lack of aging in a vampire movie. Yes. If he's going to be the scientific normal, and he's going to take care of two boys as he's taking care of an entire house of wayward youth in the middle of Greece and move them all the way to New York. Yeah, I'm going to have a problem. Dan, haven't you ever heard of people who just have a baby face for a very long time and then not they mature? Not this man. It's not him. <laughs> not him. Mel, <laughs> so, tell him. Tell him. Not this man, Eddie. He now, does not have a baby face. I have a very superficial question. Were were Jared Leto's abs as abtastic as in the trailer in the actual film? And did they get more screen time or was it the only the one scene? They did not get enough screen time. I can confirm. Um, But I mean, he looked good. It's it's, no, it's, it's yeah. Let's talk about those after credits because Dan's been chomping at the bit to get to them. Dan, what were the two after credit scenes? So, Here's what we had. We had Adrian Toomes, as played by Michael Keaton, transported. Like, so the sky is cut in half as part of No Way Home. And Adrian Toomes is sitting in a cell and is transported into a cell. And we see from the news report that, hey, so an empty cell had someone by the name of Adrian Toomes transported into this cell, implying that the character of Adrian Toomes was not, in fact, supposed to be in the Spider-Verse slash MCU, but, in fact, into the Venomverse, which means that Michael Keaton is a part of the Venomverse naturally. Which doesn't make sense because that means that like Laura Harrier, who played Destiny in One Life to Live, but also played a uh, uh, Michael Keaton's daughter in Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, is a part of the like. There's a lot of holes in this undoing that is a problem. It like it's a big problem, uh, and then for the second scene to address that even further because the first scene ends with like, Oh yeah, this person just randomly showed up in a cell. That means he's about to get released because he didn't do any crimes. And then the second scene is Michael Morbius is driving down a road in what appears to be like a fancy car in the middle of a rugged land, possibly California ish. Um, and he finds someone landing near there where he's parked in the middle of nowhere. And it's in a fancier vulture suit and spoiler alert, Adrian Toomes, Michael Keaton. Hey, 
I uh, have a proposition of building up a team to do some good around here. And then Michael Morbius is like, ooh, sounds intriguing. And it's just like, is Michael Morbius about to be a part of the Sinister Six? Is this about to be in the zone, like in the Venomverse? Like what what's happening here? I'm hoping for more answers. I'm hoping for more understanding of Michael Keaton in this Venomverse because they just took him from the MCU straight up. There, there's a lot of questions afoot. But Mel? he is very consequential. Mel, what did you think of the after credits? Um, so the first scene where Dan's describing uh, the sky cracking, it is pretty much the same footage from No Way Home where you see the purple, you know, the multiverse is happening and Adrian Toomes shows up. It's always nice to see Michael Keaton. He's always been a great actor. So this is the way that we are tying these films to the MCU right now through the after credit scene. So that kind of seems like a uh, theme because that's what happened in Venom. So now we're doing it in Morbius. So it kind of looks like that's the direction that Sony is going. Um, when in the second scene, when Vulture shows up in full regalia, um, it it leaves tons of questions. But I I felt like they needed to establish that hey, this is going to be Spider-Man, and they never did that. We don't even talk about Spider-Man in this film at all. Um, so I'm like, if we're going to take someone directly from an MCU Spider-Man film, Vulture, we, we need to say something. Or something, or, you know, there's a guy in a red and blue suit, or just anything. But they didn't allude to any of that. So I... You know, I have heard that Sony is trying to go the Sinister Six direction, and I'm like, I, I, you know, I know some about the Sinister Six, and I, I haven't quite heard about Morbius being in that. So I don't know how we're going to work that out, but it uh, leaves a lot to the imagination, but I don't so, think there are good things in the imagination. So wasn't he the father of a love interest for Peter at one point? Yes. Mm-hmm. Adrian Toomes was in fact yes. the the love like the father of the love interest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, you guys describing how he's showing up in that other universe. Well, um, wh- and then he just if, shows up, like right, literally, but then he but then making it sound like that's where he's supposed to be and not back in Peter Parker's world. I'm like, right, and we don't even know if that is the same one from the Spider-Man films. Oh, it could or be, or it could be an alternate. Right. Got right, it. or if he's another one because I, he's just from the multiverse. It, the The problem, though, is the transportation sequence in the earliest parts of the first scene in there, mm-hmm. where like it looks like he's being transported from one universe to the other. Well, mm-hmm. that brings us to your ratings. How many fangs do you give it out of five fangs, Dan? I give him two and a half. A broken fang. Okay, two and a half fangs. Mel? Uh, two. <laughs> I, I sort of thought you might be a little bit more uh, negative than uh, Dan. 1.9, they don't. I have to say, I mean, as bad as I've heard that it is, this discussion has definitely made me want to see it for myself. And if Sony's goal is to get people to spend money on tickets so that they can see it for themselves, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, maybe they're being successful. Though its box office was uh, 
not so great. I mean, it came my out. My theater no- was not full. Uh, I can't tell you the last time I went and watched a superhero film and the theater was not packed. Here, here's here's a good story from my theater. There was a man in a walker that was struggling quite a bit, and I wanted to go help, but he had someone helping him, and I was just like, "Oh man, I can't imagine watching Morbius as like in, in this age where I'm like, oh, man, that'd be rough. That'd be rough." But I don't I'm not know. I'm going to make a joke on that because you are being very poignant. But I thought for a moment you were headed with a joke on that. Um, what that that was uh, that was sort of the joke where I'm like, I I like this movie is not that good. Like I wanted this movie to be much better. I want for at least for his sake. Where I'm like, man. On that note, we'd encourage you to comment on this episode in our Facebook community. On uh, Facebook, you can find the link at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Melody Akles, and Dan is at the real Dan Pierce, or at real Dan Pierce. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. See ya.